How many of you believe God came here to help you? Amen. I believe that tonight. Amen. If you've come with a need tonight, that's nothing to be embarrassed about. You did the only thing that you could have done. Amen. You're not guaranteed to get the right answer at the doctor's office, at the banker's office, at the car dealership, the financial planner's office. But I promise you, when you come to the house of the Lord, you're going to get the right answer. Amen. You came to the right place. Amen. Maybe your marriage is in trouble. Amen. Maybe your kids are in trouble. Amen. Maybe your mom and dad's in trouble. Amen. But you came to the right place because I believe God's got answers for us. Amen. He's got answers for us. Just takes a little bit of listening, listening to the word of the Lord and making a determination in our hearts. I'm going to obey. I'm going to obey. And it's amazing what God can do with just a little bit of obedience. Amen. I want to open my heart to the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, brother and sister Riggin, for allowing me to be here at this time. And uh, I know he is under the weather, and, uh, but I am praying for him, trusting God to touch him. Amen. But I believe God has a purpose in this service tonight. And uh, the Bible talks about, I believe the Apostle Paul referencing, there's a great door and effectual open unto me, and there be many adversaries. Anytime God opens a door, you can expect there to be many adversaries. But notice the conjunction that the Apostle used. He said, and there be many adversaries, not but there be many, but he said, and there be many adversaries. I believe that just shows his mindset. I expect opposition, but I also expect to win. Amen. Praise God. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Acts chapter number 20. I appreciate your response to the word of the Lord last night. And uh, I really I feel like the response is so important. Amen. The Bible says that the word of the Lord did not profit them, not being mixed with faith, them that heard it. I think we ought to mix faith with the word of God. Hey, what kind of measure did you bring here tonight? What you going to do with the measure? Anybody feel like growing tonight? Anybody feel like taking that measure that God gave to you and letting the bellows, the Holy Ghost blow on it till it becomes a flame? Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. Turning your attention to the book of Acts chapter number 20. Acts chapter number 20. I try not to be long-winded in preaching, but I do feel to deliver my heart tonight. I don't see a clock, but I will do my best to be cognizant of the time. And, uh, I, but I do want God to help us. Amen. I really I feel good about this trip. I felt like that uh, it wasn't long into the invitation that Brother Riggin made to me that I begin to feel direction. Amen. For these services. And I want God to help us. I really want him to help us. In Acts chapter number 20, I'm going to draw your attention to verse number 25. Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 25. While you're turning there, and Brother Soundman, you don't have to follow me with these scriptures. I plan to be fast and furious tonight. <laughs> Amen. But Acts chapter 20, verse number 25, 
before I read from that passage, let me go back to verse number 17 and let's draw uh, from that the context of who the apostle is talking to. And he is talking, according to verse number 17, he is talking to the elders of the church. Paul is addressing them. And we want to pick up that address in verse number 25. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. You're not going to see me anymore. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, Watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. He's talking to the ministry. He's talking to the elders, those that are going to be left behind. The shoulders that they have are going to bear the responsibility for the flock of God. It's going to be their charge to oversee the flock of God. And they are going to have to watch because as the apostle pointed out, there shall grievous wolves come in among them. Out of their own selves shall men arise and speak perverse things. But you go ahead and watch and remember, I gave you the lessons. I gave you the pattern. I gave you the instruction of what you need to do. I want to take again a look at verse number 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. And in verse number 31 again, therefore watch. Would you lift your voice? Let's ask God in his goodness that he would talk to us, that he would help every single one of us tonight. Would you help me pray? Lift up your voice aloud and let's ask him. Jesus, I love you tonight. I thank you for your I'm trusting in you, Jesus. I'm asking you tonight, God. I really am, God, depending upon you, needing your help here tonight, Jesus. God, anoint, give direction in the Holy Ghost. I'm praying at the conclusion of this service, God. You will try to in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated here tonight. Amen. In 1 Samuel, the ninth chapter, the Bible says at verse number 15, 
Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came saying, tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people because their cry is come unto me. The next scripture says, And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, Behold the man whom I spake to thee of. This same shall rule over my people. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Tell me, I pray thee, where the seer's house is. And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me unto the high place, for ye shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let thee go, and I will tell thee all that is in thine heart. According as we have from Scripture, we don't know of any other meeting that Samuel and Saul had had previously. They were complete strangers. It's obvious from the text that Saul didn't recognize him when he asked, where is the seer? And we don't have any record of Samuel ever meeting Saul. But this exchange here, I would like to point out some things. Before Saul ever got there, God was talking to the man Samuel. The Bible says he whispered it into his ear and said, Samuel, I'm going to show you. Amen. I'm going to show you who it is. And when Samuel saw Saul, again the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, Behold the man. That's the one. God was talking to Samuel the prophet. And when Samuel was, is finally introduced to Saul, he said, I am the seer. And uh, you're going to go with me to the high place. We're going to eat together today. And tomorrow I'm going to let you go. But before I let you go, I've never met you. I don't know anything about you. I haven't studied you. Nobody's giving me, given me your resume or your qualifications or your history. But I am going to tell you everything that is in your heart. And the Bible says that Samuel did that very thing. How did Samuel know this? How was Samuel able to perceive what it was about Saul? How did Samuel know that that was the man? Can I tell you, God's man has a way of seeing things. Amen. You might look around and not be able to see it and perceive it with your eyes. But there was a reason that he was called the seer. Amen. In the ninth chapter, if we go back just a few verses, we find this declaration in the word of the Lord. And it says before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, come and let us go to the seer. For he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer a seer I looked up the word today it's a very complex Hebrew word and its definition amen it's difficult to understand amen it simply means a seer is a man who sees 
Real complex. A seer is one who sees. And we understand from this verse number nine that the description or, or the title, the appellation, the moniker that the, the man of God wore, it changed from being a seer and they began to use the word prophet. The word changed, but the office didn't change. Amen. The word, the title changed, but the function didn't change. Can I preach to us tonight that here we live in 2015 and maybe the name has changed, but I'm gonna tell you the function remains. God still has men whose job is to see. It's their job to see things. Amen. In the text that we read to you, the apostle Paul is dealing with the elders and he said, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. The Holy Ghost has made you an overseer. God put you in that position to look over, to see things, to observe, to perceive because grievous wolves are going to come and I've got to have a man that I can set in a place. He has a vantage point where his perception reaches a long ways off and that man can see things. Aren't you glad you've got a man in your life that he can see things? Maybe you're going through the storm. Maybe the fog of life is encroached around you, but you've got a seer that can see things that you cannot see. Amen. The apostle Paul tells them in verse number 31, after he tells them what's going to happen, the wolves are gonna come. Men out of your own ranks are gonna arise and speak perverse things to draw disciples after themselves. But his admonition in verse number 31 was that of an overseer. Watch therefore. Amen. You just go ahead and watch. That's why God's put you there is to watch over them. In Ezekiel the 33rd chapter, again the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, speak to the children of Israel or the children of my people and say unto them, when I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land shall take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he see the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, this is what God's plan was for them them. You said a watchman. Let him be a watcher. Amen. Let him be a watcher and look and look off into the distance and if he sees the sword coming, let him blow the trumpet. Let him sound the alarm. You've got to have a trumpet and take not warning and the sword come and take him away. His blood shall be upon his own head. But if he heard the sound of the trumpet, amen, and he took not warning, this is his own fault. 
Amen. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his own soul. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, then and the people are not warned. If the sword come, then it's going to be the watchman's responsibility because he was upon the watch and he was looking in the distance and he did not blow the trumpet. Therefore, it is his responsibility. In verse number seven, the Lord begins to deal with Ezekiel the prophet, gives him a very direct word. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman under the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth. Amen. And warn them from me. Amen. Ezekiel was the watchman that was set upon the wall. Amen. He had a vantage point where he could see off in the distance. He was an overseer as he stood on that wall. He could see a long ways off. Amen. The watchman is to be the overseer. That's why he's on the wall. That's why he's on the wall. So he can see things a long ways off. Amen. He can see things before they're standing on your doorstep, knocking on your door. Amen. Aren't you glad the seer sees it before it gets to you? Aren't you glad that he steps to the pulpit with a word and a warning and says, hold on, there's an enemy coming. We're not going this way. Be careful. I sense something is amiss. Hey, we're not doing that. And it keeps it from getting to your yard. And it keeps it from walking up your sidewalk. And it keeps it from stepping up on your porch and it keeps it away from your house. A seer. A watchman that's upon the wall. The Bible says in Nehemiah the sixth chapter that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto Nehemiah saying, come, let us meet together in one of the villages in the plain. In the, come down, come down to the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief, Nehemiah said. And I sent messengers unto them saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down off the wall. Amen. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down? down unto you. I'm telling you there's people that don't want a watchman on the wall. They don't want a watchman to be upon the wall. Send Ballad and Geshem said, come down to the plain of Ono. Amen. But Nehemiah's response was, oh no to oh no. We're not coming down. God set us on the wall. We're here to watch. God's put us in a place, a vantage point, where I can see a long ways off. And the wall has got to be built. And the kingdom has got to go forward. I'm not coming down off of my watch. God set me on the wall to be an overseer. There's some people that think that the wall is a pedestal. God didn't set his elders, his ministry on a pedestal. Miriam and Aaron thought that. Just look in the book of Numbers chapter number 12. The sons of Korah thought that. Amen. In the same book, chapter 16, verse number 3. They thought that Moses was on a pedestal. Moses wasn't on a pedestal. Moses was on the wall. How can he be your watcher? If he's not over you. 
just like Sanballat and Geshem, there is an idea in our world. Let's just drag the preacher down to our level. Let's pre- He's just like everybody else. He's just a man like everybody else. He's just human like everybody else. I'm going to tell you this wasn't our idea. This was God's idea to set a watchman on the wall. How can he watch over you if he's not over you? Praise God. The scripture said, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Why? For they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. If he's watching for my soul, I want the man of God on the wall where he can see a long ways off. He can see trouble before it gets to my family. He can see trouble before it gets to my children. He can see trouble before it gets to my home. Pastor is not to be a lord over God's heritage, but he is to be over God's heritage. Amen. And he's over you for a reason, and that's so he can be a seer. I want to ask a question tonight. I want to use my title again tonight as a question. I want to ask this question. How do you see the seer in your life? How do you see the seer in your life? How do you see the seer in your life? Ahab had a seer. And when it came time to go to Ramoth Gilead to get the seer, They had to go down to the dungeon and dredge up that disheveled, feeble, frail, malnourished, emaciated Micaiah, the seer. Everybody else was saying, go get them, Ahab. You and Jehoshaphat, you're going to push them back. You're going to win. This is right. This is real. This is good. This is great. Jehoshaphat had been raised a little different. In his household, the seer was a little more revered. And he listened and he said, you know, Ahab, I'm hearing all of this, but I wonder, is there a prophet of God? And Ahab said, you know, there is, but you, you know, he don't ever say anything good. All he ever does is come and tell me the truth. He doesn't ever prophesy fun things. He doesn't ever see my side of the story. And they went and found Micaiah. Micaiah's coming. Amen. The servant that is bringing him said, listen, buddy, they've all just prophesied good. You better change your story. 
You better go along with them. You better see eyeball to eyeball with the other prophets. But Micaiah, he was a real seer. Amen. He could see things that others couldn't see. Amen. The Bible says, amen, the Lord, amen, had shown him something. In verse number 17 of that text, he said, and I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills and sheep, a sheep not having a shepherd. Amen. All the other ones were seeing wind. All the other ones were seeing fun. All the other ones were seeing prosperity. But a seer that had been in the dungeon and his only fellowship was with God, he saw something different. He said, I saw Israel. Amen. Like sheep scattered on the hillside and they had no shepherd. Everybody else was willing to tell Ahab what he wanted to hear, but there was a seer that could see. And he also saw what was going on in Ahab's life. The Bible says in verse number 19, he said unto them, hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne. This is Micaiah. Say, I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said on this manner and another said on that manner. And there came forth a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I'll persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, wherewith? And he said, I will go forth and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, thou shalt persuade him and prevail also go forth and do so. Amen. Micaiah saw what was going on. He saw all the false prophets, but he had been with the Lord and he saw things. He sort of far off. Amen. He saw them as being false prophets. He saw the spirit enter into them, that lying spirit. They were being tricked and they were being fooled, but Micaiah wasn't fooled because he was a seer. He could really see what was going on and he could have warned Ahab and he could have saved Ahab, but Ahab didn't see his seer like he should have. Can I ask the question tonight? How do you see your seer? King Ahab said, put this fellow in the prison and feed him with the bread of affliction and with water of affliction until I come in peace. Is that how you see your seer. Put him back in the dungeon. I don't want to hear what he has to say. I don't want to know what his insight is. In Amos, the seventh chapter, the Bible begins to show Amos some things. Amos sees the Lord with a plumb line in his hand and he begins to prophesy. But in verse number 10, then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, the king of Israel, saying, Amos hath conspired against thee in the midst of the house of Israel, and the land is not able to bear his words. For thus Amos saith, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive out of their own land. Also Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer, go 
flee thee away into the land of Judah and there eat bread and prophesy there. But don't you come here and say that. Our land can't bear your words. We don't want to hear this, Amos. We don't want to hear this. You go down to Judah, you find somebody that'll listen to you, but don't you come here and say what you're saying. And the Bible says, prophesy not again anymore at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel and it is the king's courts. When you go to the king's court, you better have a really nice sermon that makes everybody feel good. But don't you come prophesying about the plumb line. We don't care what you saw. Then answered Amos and said unto Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was a herdman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. I didn't come from a lineage of ministry. I didn't come from uh, the loins of a prophet. But I was a herdman and I gathered the sycamore fruit from the ground and the Lord took me as I followed the flock and the Lord said unto me, go prophesy unto my people Israel. Isn't it amazing? I wonder what swayed Amaziah. Was it the fact that Amos didn't have a pedigree? He was just a old sheep herder and the son of a sheep herder, gatherer of sycamore fruit. You didn't go to seminary. You didn't get your doctorate. You don't have a master's in theology. So you can't prophesy here. Can I ask you again, how do you see the seer in your life? In Acts the 27th chapter, Bible says in verse number nine, now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already passed, Paul admonished them and he said unto them, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And we know the story, they cast off into the deep. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their purpose, loosing fence, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurocladon. I want to point something out to you. The Bible says here that Paul stood up and said, Sirs, I perceive, I perceive that this voyage is going to be with hurt and much damage. But the Bible says the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which was spoken by Paul. Paul was not a sailor. Paul was a scholar. He was not schooled and skilled in the art of maritime travel. He studied the word. He was a scholar of the law. What could he possibly know? But I'm going to tell you he was a seer. 
He said, I perceive that this, oh, listen to me tonight. The Lord had dealt with him. He said, I perceive. I may not have been to the Naval Academy, but I perceive that what we're fixing to get into is bigger than we can handle. But the, the centurion believed the sailors. He believed the captain. And they launched out into that dreaded storm, Eurocladon. Can I ask you a question? Amen. How do you see your seer tonight? Well, he's not qualified to talk to me about that. What does he know about finance? Did he ever graduate with an MBA? What does he know about medical science? Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. How do you see your seer? Well, he's not a sailor. What does he know about the tides and the times? But Paul was a seer. He could see things sailors couldn't see. He could see things centurions couldn't see. He could see things that the owner of the ship couldn't see. He was a seer. Not long after I began pastoring, I attempted to pastor some people. At that time, I believe I was still living in our travel trailer. I did not even own a house, had never owned a house, had never purchased a house. But the year was about, oh, late, or, or excuse me, mid-2008, uh, somewhere around there. Maybe it was the end of 2008. And these folks were self-described entrepreneurs. And they started buying real estate. Never came and talked to me about it. Never asked, Pastor, do you think this is a good idea? This is what we're gonna do. And I found out about it through the grapevine. Oh, they're buying up rental houses and, and uh, boy, we got this for a great price. Never said a word to me about it. And I just had this sick, sense of dread in me and I thought they, they don't care what I think well, he's living in a travel trailer on his father-in-law's parking lot what does he know about real estate but I sensed something was going to change in our world and I thought ooh I wouldn't have done that I wouldn't have done that and finally, I was a young pastor. I had not been pastoring very long at all. And finally, 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 I, I said something about it. And ooh, I remember the phone call I got on the way home from church. Were you talking about us? Let me tell you how successful we are. I don't know if you followed the news, especially real estate and building and construction news in the Phoenix area. But it still ain't doing so hot. And in a short period of time, I watched these poor people get foreclosed on once. A few months later, get foreclosed on all, all of their life savings. And they, it was substantial. All of it, they poured into these real estate deals. And I, I watched the second foreclosure come. And I watched the third foreclosure come. And I watched until to this day they're living in somebody else's rent house and they're paying rent. All because 
The young pastor didn't know anything about real estate. They lost a big ship and all of its laden because Paul wasn't a sailor, but he was a seer. Can I ask the question again tonight? How do you see your seer? The Bible says in 2 Chronicles, I'm not going to be much longer, 2 Chronicles chapter number 16. And at that time, Hanani, the seer, he came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria and hast not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lebans a large or a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. Oh, let me tell you the value of a seer. When the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. The Lord's eyes see the markets before they open tomorrow. The Lord's eye sees what's going to happen six months from now, a year from now, a decade from now. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro. And if he's got a seer, that seer sees what God shows him. Bible says herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. And Asa was wroth with the seer and put him in a prison house. For he was in a rage with him because of this thing. And Asa oppressed some of the people uh, the same time. And behold the acts of Asa. First and last lo they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Asa in the 39th year of his reign was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord but to the physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in, one of, uh, in the one and 40th year of his reign. How do you see the seer in your life? Is he your enemy? Is he your enemy? Or is he the greatest ally and friend that you have on this earth? How do you see the seer? I'm coming to a close. The Bible says again in 2 Kings chapter number 20, in those days Hezekiah was sick unto death. And the prophet, remember they used to be called seers. The prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, set thy house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. I've seen it, Hezekiah, and I've come to tell you, set your house in order, old boy. You're going to die and not live. But Hezekiah saw the seer 
a lot differently than these others. The Bible says he turned his face to the wall and he prayed unto the Lord saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore and it came to pass before Isaiah was gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, turn again. Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, thus saith the Lord God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears, behold, I will heal thee. I'm gonna tell you, it makes a difference how you see the seer in your life. Because when Isaiah turned around, he had scarcely made it to the middle court when God's eyes came searching and said, Isaiah, I saw something. I saw the way Hezekiah saw the seer. And I want you to turn around and you go back and you tell him, I'm gonna add 15 years to his life. I'm gonna preach to us tonight. It makes a big difference how you see the seer in your life. Would you stand with me tonight? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number four, verse number 11, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Those men, their job is to see. That's what they're there for, is to see. There's some things you're not going to see in your children that the seer is going to see. There's going to be some things that you may not see in your marriage that the seer is going to see. There's going to be habits and attitudes and spirits that the seer is going to see like Micaiah. But your success and ultimately your salvation is going to depend on how you see the seer in your life. Hebrews chapter number 13, verse number 17 again. Obey them that have the rule over you. I'm not going to let any man have the rule over me. He's a man like I am. He's human like I am. He's got faults like I've got. He's not going to be over me. If he's not over you, he can't watch for you. If you can't leave him on the wall, send ballot, he won't be able to see the enemy. Miriam Aaron. You try to criticize him and pull him down to your level. He won't be able to see the things that he needs to see in order to save you. Obey them that have the rule over and submit yourselves for they watch. They watch. They watch. I'm glad I've got a seer in my life 
that watches for my soul. He's not there. He's not there just butting in, trying to make my life miserable and, and be a control freak. He's there watching for my soul because I've got blind spots. There's things that I cannot see, but a watcher standing on the wall sees beyond my blind spot. He sees beyond the limits of my periphery and he sees what I cannot see. Oh, let me ask the question again tonight. How do you see the seer in your life? They watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. That they may do it with joy and not with grief. How do I see the seer? I'm asking another question tonight. And the question demands a response. Last night I asked, what will you do with your measure? Tonight I'm asking, how do you see the seer in your life? Come on, Hezekiah. There's going to be a time of trouble. But how you see the seer is going to determine the outcome. Maybe you're in trouble tonight. Maybe you're in trouble, 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 trouble. Amen. You're going to let the seer come and say, listen, listen, what about this? How you respond to him, how you see him is going to determine the outcome. Oh, is there a Hezekiah? Maybe you're in bad trouble. Maybe you're about to die spiritually. But if you listen to the seer, if you listen to the seer, God's got mercy and he's got hope. God's got mercy and he's got hope for a Hezekiah that appreciates the Isaiah that's in his life. Come on, God's got mercy. Amen. For somebody that sees the seer as being a word and an oracle from God. Would you step out tonight as you're making that long, lonely walk to this altar? I want you to ask yourself honestly, how do I see the seer in my life? Come on, the Holy Ghost put him there as the overseer of the flock. This wasn't his idea. This was God's idea. This wasn't him elevating him himself. This is God setting him on a wall to watch, to be the overseer. Let me ask it again. How do you see the seer in your life? Come on. Come on, if you've seen him like Asa did, if you saw him like Ahab did, if you saw him like Miriam and Aaron and the sons of Korah, find a place tonight. Find a place tonight. Say, God, no. He's the seer. You show him things. Come on, would you pray tonight?